buried randomly in the intense judgments and the crazy short narratives of the book of Jeremiah are some of the best and most encouraging prophecies in the whole Bible. In chapter 33, Jeremiah prophesies of a branch springing from a tree called David. The branch will be a person who will, quote, execute righteousness and justice in the land. The southern kingdom will be saved and the northern kingdom will be safe. This branch will have a name, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. We know this branch as Jesus, but they didn't yet have access to the precious name of our Lord and Savior that maybe we take for granted. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. That's the name, Jehovah Sidkenu. Think about that. Religion and performance are ultimately quests to be our own righteousness. We want people to see us give to the poor. We want people to see us give up food or TV to think we're righteous. We want people to hear us pray huge, possibly empty prayers so people see our righteousness and then they think that we're righteous. Jesus taught against those three things. He said, give in secret. He said, fast in secret. He said, pray in secret not in front of people because we aren't our own righteousness. Life isn't a play of which we are the star. What would it look like in your life to literally believe that your righteousness is already decided and it is Jesus? Not to then just make terrible decisions, but to stop trying, stop performing, stop striving, and start accepting that Jesus Christ is your righteousness and start living that Jesus is your righteousness. We have nothing to prove, we have no performance to perform, just a savior to follow and emulate and a spirit to definitively lead us to do so. Jehovah Tzidkenu. Hopefully today we'll be able to set you free on some of that. Uh, I believe today the message is the most powerful central truth to studying the names of God in all of them that we study because it's the one that we struggle with the most, and that's understanding righteousness and the right standing with God. I'm going to hold up there. Hey, I'm Pastor Stephen. If it's your first time here, glad to have you. Welcome here to Coastal Family Church. I try to look out and see as many as I can. Come on, give them folks a big warm welcome. Glad to have you. And, um, you know, we, we are intentional in this series on the names of God. We're, we're going somewhere. We have a pathway. And, uh, you know, we started found out that he's Elohim of Elohim, a strong, creating God. If you need something created in your life, you've got to go to him. He can do it. Uh, we found out that uh, there's a place of humility and submission in our life, not dictatorship, but humility and submission to bring him to become Lord of your life, Adonai. Adonai meaning Lord, Master, and Owner. And uh, we, we own a lot of things, and to give all that over to Him is a little bit difficult at times. Because we, you know, maybe we can do better with it, I guess, is what we think. But then we came into and we began to learn the relational side of God, the Jehovah side, the, the Yahweh side, the most used name in the Scripture to define who He is, Yahweh. And, uh, you know, he's endeavored from day one since the fall of man and the law came in and all this stuff that maybe some of you are familiar with. He endeavored from day one before creating man and then after man fell and then, and then going throughout the whole Old Testament right up to Jesus into the New Covenant, the New Testament. His whole goal was to become Yahweh Jehovah in your life, relational with you. And to be a part of who you are and uh, create, he created you like him. And so I think he knows best what's best for us. And so to help us understand that, we're going into the names of Jehovah. There's bunches of them. We don't have time to go into all of them, but uh, really we just kind of led through the pathway of Jehovah. We started with Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord, our healer. We found out that he's Jehovah Nisi. He's my banner. He's my protector. Pastor Tiffany phenomenally presented that message to us. I think you did, right? I, know, I don't think I did. That would be bad. But, but anyway, and then we came right into today, Jehovah Sitkanu. And it was funny in the staff, we started, we kind of joked on it, Jehovah Saduko. And that's kind of how we started to pronounce it. But it is Sitkanu. Uh, it's not a term that we use in, in today's vernacular. It's a Hebrew word. It's only used twice, really, in the Scripture. But uh, because it's been translated into English and translated even in the Hebrew and the Greek into righteousness and understanding that that's the word, Jehovah Sitkanu is the Lord, our righteousness. So most of us are familiar with that word a little bit more. 
So we'll do our best not to focus on Sitkanu so much today, but I do want you to understand it, it has a meaning to it. It has a purpose behind it. And uh, so then, of course, next week we go to Jehovah Jireh, and then we move on from Jehovah Jireh to Yeshua. This is where I wanted to get to. It's the pathway. Because when we get to Yeshua, you start to really understand Jesus and the, what he did and how he paid such a high price for our salvation. And we're intentional because our pathway is to Easter. The most attended service in all of church world is that day. Uh, and I believe, spiritually speaking, it's because the anointing is greater, the anointing, the expectation and power. People are expecting to just go to church on Easter. They may go that only time, but that's the time that they go. And, and uh, so we try to capitalize on that opportunity. And uh, I like to define it this way. I'm a football guy, and it's, it's the Super Bowl of church. Okay, it's two-minute drill. We're, mm, this is the game of all games. And uh, you know what I mean when I say game of all games. But we, we, we're coming to that day, and so we're going to actually learn together Yeshua and how to present Yeshua on the Palm Sunday the week before. How to present. Because Sunday, Easter, we're going to present Yeshua in a different package, a different way, a way to receive it. And the reason I said all of that is because uh, we want to give you an opportunity to even now be a part of that with us. And that is we, we've created some ways that you can do invites to people. Uh, there's these two invitational cards, card, um, business card or cards that like your purpose vision card that you have out there. And uh, whoever you're working with, if you know some people that are, uh, we would, I would define it as far from God or someone maybe in the Christian terminology, unsaved, they don't know Jesus, or someone that just don't have a local church, they don't have a church, and you think that church would be good for them, uh, just, just set them up and ask them, say, hey, man, you go into church on Easter, you might get, what is Easter? Then we're gonna, you're learning what that is. Okay, then you might get, hey, man, yeah, I go, that's the only time I go. Hey, man, are you, where are you going? And then just set them up and maybe give some, put them in, something in their hands. Invite them to come. We're believing God for this year, a hundred salvations for Coastal Family Church. I don't care where they go to church. I just want them saved and born again. They can go anywhere they want to go. But we are believing for a hundred new families in Coastal Family Church. And so as we begin to do that, then, then of course, I think we've actually uh, created um, some yard signs that uh, you can have available to you if you want to use those. You don't have to, but you can. There's like 30-some of them. I think 32 left. And you can grab those, put them in the yard, just advertise Easter for us. Be a part of what's going on on the Outer Banks. Churches everywhere are doing the exact same thing. And for once, we get a chance to just flood the environment. And before somebody complains and tells us we shouldn't, let's just go do it, all right? Um, you know, go put it in somebody else. Go put it in your neighbor's yard. Do that. <laughs> and um, if they're, especially if they don't know God and you know that, go put it in their yard. Um, but listen, uh, here's something I want to be careful of because I only have 32 of those. We have people that come to church from uh, Currituck, Powell's Point, and they come from here and then all the way into the north end of Manio. we got a big half-moon radius here. And uh, so uh, make sure if you live up that way or over and around that way, let's just spread them everywhere, okay? Stand up with me for the reading of Scripture this morning, and we'll jump right into Jehovah Sitkanu. <coughs> Glory to God. Here we go. I'm going to read this because it's quite a few verses. You don't have to read this with me today. Uh, I'm going to read it and, and then we'll pray. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 6. You see the word Sitkanu twice in Scripture. And this is the one that we're starting with. We're, we're only going to reference this. We're going to go into the book of Romans. And we're going to study that. Uh, I'll get there in a minute. Let's read. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people? The shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they have expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment for you for the evil you have done to them, but I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. Begins to prophesy here. Listen. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold. And they will be fruitful and increase in number. And I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them. And they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse 5. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. Prophesying about Jesus. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. Say wisdom. wisdom. He will do what is just and right in the land. Verse 6. 
And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. Hebrew, Jehovah Sitkanu. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege to just uh, speak your word. Thank you that it's, it's not just a word. It's, it's what you did for me. And I'm humbled that, that I get to be on this side of it presenting what you did for me. And I'm grateful. I pray that ears will be open to hear today. And I pray that hearts will be ready to receive. And, and we'd all take an opportunity to maybe just transform, renew our mind to see what you see through us and see through Jesus and see for us. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. In this passage, here's what you see. You, you see the judgment on shepherds. The word shepherds should be defined as kings. Now, I will say right up front that ministers have taken this and abused it and used it for control and used it for dictatorship because they take that word shepherd and they abuse it in, in an incorrect way. Well, it's not even the word shepherd to begin with. It's actually the word kings. And prior to this moment that I just read you, they, you'll see that there were five kings, actually, uh, that were treating the children of Israel uh, uh, just, just horrible. They, they failed miserably at leading the children of Israel. They were making it about their own doctrine. They were making it about their own ways, and they were not even concerned about their spirituality. And they basically were coming up against God's people, and, and you just don't want to do that. Because in verses 3 and 4, here's what we see. God shows up. And he says, we see the promise. Here's what we see. We see the promise to restore the wounded and the scattered flock. Did you see what he said? He said, I, I'm bringing them back from where I had driven them. What the word driven means, where I led them to safety. I got them away from where they were being dictated. I got them away from where they were being controlled. I got them away from where they were being treated badly. But now I'm going to deal with the people that treated them badly, and I'm going to bring them back to their own land. Verses 5 and 6 says, we see the promise of the king that's coming, and that's Jesus, Jehovah Sitkanu. Here's what comes with this word righteousness. It says, the Lord, our righteousness, is how you define that word. Three things that come from it. Now, we're not going to focus on these as much today, but I do want you to see them. When you talk about the Lord, our righteousness coming, focused here, even over here in the Old Testament, you see prosperity coming. You see judgment coming. Judgment on sin, not you. Judgment on, against sin, and you see righteousness that follows, puts you back in right standing with God. That's what comes from Jehovah Sitkanu. I read uh, two different commentaries that I pulled up. Uh, I wasn't familiar with these commentaries, but they spoke to my heart, so I just want to read them to you. This is from a gentleman named Derek Kidner. He was an Old Testament scholar, written some books, a few books. and I, I try not to put all of that out there because it just deal, takes too much time away. But here's what this commentary says. Jesus, the Lord, our righteousness, speaks of one who will not only re reflect the righteousness of God, but will convey, transfer, or deliver it in writing to his people, making it their possession. You got the Bible in your hand. That's in writing right there, the covenant that you have access to. Uh, remember the word wisdom. Paul said here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, the New Living Translation, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. When you look at the phrase freed us from sin, it simply is translated by saying you've been justified and made innocent. Okay, now this, right now, just, just go with me, okay? I'm not expecting you to even understand the jargon right now. But we're going to identify who we are in just a few minutes through the subject of righteousness and how this is one of the, I think, one of the misconstrued, misinterpreted, misapplied doctrines in the Scripture, uh, really because of religion. Because we don't understand it. We don't know what it means. So he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, you might be familiar with that, 521, the NIV says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, righteousness in this term, in this uh, category of scripture, it says that you're absolutely justified and made in innocent. Tell somebody, I'm justified, I'm justified. and I'm innocent. I'm innocent. All right. <clears throat> One more commentary and then we'll rock and roll. All right. I pulled this out of the ensuing word commentary. I was familiar with that, but I also, when I pulled that out, I found out that Martin Luther actually quoted this from another commentary, the trap commentary. So I dug into that and wanted to see what that said. This is cool. You ready? You, sir, Satan, your menaces and terrors trouble me not. For why? Come on, say, I'm stable. I'm stable. Say, I'm stable. I'm, stable. I'm going to start over. 
You, sir, Satan, your menaces and terrors trouble me not. For why? There is one whose name is called the Lord our righteousness, on whom I believe. He it is who hath abrogated, abolished the law, condemned sin, <laughs> abolished death, and destroyed hell, and is a Satan to thee, O Satan. Just let it sink in. I've never seen it reflect back. A lot of attention goes on Satan. And now, trust me, I'm not sitting here telling you that Jesus is Satan. That's not my point. But I just tell you, come on, somebody. That right there is powerful because I want to read this statement to you. This came out of my heart yesterday. This is probably one of the most powerful names and central truths to our gospel. Listen, Jehovah Sitkanu. It's the part of God that keeps us from being separated from him. And we spend years trying to stay connected to him by a way that's not going to connect you to him. Because you're already connected to him through righteousness. The word righteousness, here's its definition. The quality or state of being morally correct and justifiable. Like I said, I think it's the most misunderstood, misapplied term used in scripture. Well, not in scripture, but in religion. Can I define religion for you today? So anytime you see us use the word religion, let me, so you'll know what we mean when we say that. Here's what it's defined as. Religion is a set of organized beliefs, practices, and systems that can bring a sense of temporary freedom. Not necessarily an accurate belief in God. I'm going to read it again. Religion is a set of organized beliefs, practices, and systems that can bring a sense of temporary freedom. Not necessarily an accurate belief in God. Why? Because genuine righteousness is based on God's effort. Religion is based on our own efforts. When you talk about the righteousness and the right standing with God through Jehovah, it comes through God's unmerited favor. You need it because of sin to be in true relationship with God. You can't buy it. You can't sell it. You can't trade it. You can't work for it. It's absolutely free. And it is a must I'm going to give you four things. We're going to talk about sin today. We're going to talk about the why of sin, where it came from, how's it dealt with. We're going to talk a little bit about holiness today, but probably not in the way that you think. We're going to talk about how when we walk out of here today, there will be absolutely no, no question in who I am in God, in the righteousness of God. Let me take you back to my own life. This is not in my notes, and I really need to be a good steward of time. I do know B.C. I know before Christ. I know who I was and where I was and what I was doing. I know the promiscuous, I, I can't even say the word. I, I know all of those things. I know all the drugs, all the different opportunities that I had and all that I partake of. You know, I'm even getting real religious when I say partake. <clears throat> I know all of the things that I, that I ventured into. I was there. I was the one in them. Some of them I don't remember because when I woke up, I didn't remember. And if I'm not careful and I allow myself, see, I, was, I have been one of my natures, one of my characteristics, one of my makeups, maybe the Enneagram or, or something of that nature, is I am one that seeks approval. Trust me, I wish I didn't because it would make life a lot easier. And I, it's very difficult in this position to be one that seeks approval because I'm speaking to hundreds of people weekly and I walk out of here and hope that what I said fell on good ears. And sometimes it does and sometimes it don't. Most of the time it falls on both, good and bad. But I have to realize that some of the things that I chased prior to Christ were based upon insecurity, based upon um, uh, wanting approval, chasing the good time because of approval. And, and it wasn't because I just was so insecure. I just, I just, I love the, I love the laughter. I love, hey, being kind of the, the guy of the party sometimes. When I was in college, I loved being that person. And, and it just, it, it, it meant the world to me. Uh, trust me, I was the guy that there's only one thing I was afraid of in the BC in my drinking world, my partying world that I was afraid of. And that was we had a local newspaper, I think it's still around, called the Coastland Times. <laughs> and if you went to court and you were in court, your name was in the Coastland Times. <laughs> a whole page. And usually it was a whole page. It was never just a couple. And I, was, I did not want the world to read my name, especially my mother. I didn't want her to ever read, read my name in, in that book. And it was a couple times. 
So my whole point in saying that is there, that same uh, uh, personality of even some of the disciplines I had prior to Christ, such as the, the, the bodybuilding world and, and, and getting into that place where I was striving for, uh, I mean, I was probably twice the size that I am now when it comes to that whole world. And, and I did things to create that, things that were ungodly, things that were, again, it was kind of chasing the insecurity parts, I guess, and, of life. And, and, uh, but here's what happened. I got set free from all of that. And it's why I sat in Bible school my first year. Bible school was not on my radar, guys. That was not a good time to me, okay? That was not where I was going. But when I got set free, I got set free, and it became my only desire. When I got there, I stayed in this book called Romans all the time. And now I know why, because it set me free every time I read it. It helped me understand the, the, the desires and the pursuits and I don't have time to take you into Romans chapter 7, 8, and 9. You need to go read that because that really talks about how the law comes in to buy, keep you bound to dominion of Satan into your life. You've been set free from the law. Go read it, okay? Can't go there today. We need to focus on Jesus. But when I came into this Christian walk, I came into those same kind of disciplines and same kinds of expectations followed me into my Christianity. To where I became disciplined and I let these things become the drive to become maybe holy or righteous. Prayed as much as I can. Hours. Prayed as much as I can. Read as much as I can. Went to church as much as I could. All of the, the typical do good service became the servant of service. All of the things that I felt like were Christianese in the world, they drove me. But I was always seeking for the same thing. Approval. Acceptance. But then, but in this case, it wasn't because of you. I wanted it from him. I wanted him to know that I loved him. I wanted him to know that I was serious about this thing called serving God. So I came into works to do that. And I still today have to resist that process or that pathway because I get, I get satisfaction out of it. But again, it's seeking the wrong thing. It's, not, it's seeking the holiness and the righteousness from a wrong pathway. Number one, you, you, you're going to find out here in a minute that there is one only, one only that is truly holy in all ways, and that is him. You can never measure up to that holiness, but you have the one to measure up to living in you, the holy one living in you. And if you learn to look to holy one instead of holiness of me, then you'll find out it'll be a lot easier pathway for you. So, Why? Why is all of that an issue for all of us? That's just my issue. You probably got a million issues. We all, there's a different one. Everyone's different, okay? Maybe your sinful life was worse than mine. <laughs> Maybe you sitting out there and you said, I didn't have any of that. I was never that person. I was always a good person. I'm more scared of you than I am the one that sinned. Because your holiness is still based upon what you did not do. And you can't be holy that way. You can't. Let's move away from the word Holy. Because that's, that's a religion's term. You're not righteous that way. You're righteous only because of what he did, the Holy One. So why did it all that happen? Number one, everyone has sinned, believe it or not. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. He has a standard. He has a measurement of standard. He knew you could not measure up to that standard so he had to send someone that would measure the standard so that when you slip and fall from that standard you have someone to look to to come back to ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 the new living translation <laughs> this is wonderful this set me free not a single person on earth is always good and never sins <laughs> come on lucas tell somebody you ain't always good my friend Isn't that good? So, definition of sitkanu. The word sitkanu means right and straight. <laughs> so, this is just for a visual. Not a big part of the teaching. Don't get caught off. Why do you use a ruler? Okay? Don't, don't, don't mess with me there. This is just straight. It's got measurements on it. It's a line to draw by. It's a line to make a straight line. It's a line to do whatever you want to with it. It's a line to smack your kids if you need to. Whatever. Don't cross that line. I'm going to smack you. You know, listen. Whatever you want. This is a straight line. This is sit canoe. A straight line. Right and straight. Never gets off. Come on. Come on. For you not 
Let's just stick with regular English measurements. Never gets off. It's always the same. Okay? Hold on with me. Now this is you and me. Just as crooked as we can be. Okay? (laughs) You're a hot mess. So, what I'm saying to you, without right and straight, (laughs) this is never going to straighten out. And without right and straight, when this comes and becomes straight, and then for some odd reason you slip and fall and become a failure, and all of a sudden you're crooked up again, you still got to go back to right and straight to find out how to straighten yourself back out. Sitkanu is how that happens. Understanding that without right and straight, the measurement is far off. And we're using people. I want, there's another side to that I can't go into today. People are using you to define what right and straight is. So there is a standard to follow and standard to walk by. But we're not going to follow that pathway today. So where did sin come from? We're done with that. Leave it alone. So where did sin come from? Go with me to Romans chapter um, 5, verse 12 and 7 through 19. It's important for you and I to know where the sin actually came from that we just identify. All of us have, all of us have done. I may sin, but I'm not a sinner anymore. Okay? I've identified I am the righteousness of God now, but I still may sin. I may miss the mark. I may fail. I may not measure up. I may have something to deal with. But because of the righteous one, I'm not a sinner anymore. I've dealt with the sinner, and now I have to be consciously aware of the sin that can creep in and get into my old nature. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. (laughs) Tell somebody, it's not your fault. Just because you messed up before you came in today, it's not your fault. I'll let you off the hook for a little bit. When Adam sinned, (laughs) I'm going to use that at home. (laughs) Baby, that was bad, but I know it's not your fault. Don't treat me like that. It's not your fault. Anyway, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned, brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who received it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God. Everybody say one act. One act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Now, the next verse is really key. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Twofold in its explanation. Access to all, but not all will. Because it's a choice. It's a choice to accept righteousness. But I'm convinced that we're accepting righteousness because if someone's told us, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, instead of actually accepting what's already been done the one time. Here's the solution to the sin problem. Here's the solution to missing the mark. Here's the solution that will help me come forward and begin to understand righteousness. Your solution, I wrote this down because just include everybody. Your solution, my solution, our solution. And, and guys, Christians really struggle with this. Because of religion. Because of the mark and the measurement that's man created and not God given. They struggle because many, if you're like me, many kind of fall into that category of DIY. You know what DIY means? Do-it-yourself system. Take a look at these couple pictures. Anybody ever been a do-it-yourselfer and it didn't work out right? Huh? Anybody? Come on now. I'm a king of do-it-myself. I can do it myself. I got junk around my house to prove that I will be a do-it-yourselfer. I got two riding lawnmowers so that I can make one that work, and neither one of them work right now. She keeps talking about going to buy it. She asked me yesterday, do you think we need, we need a, a push mower or a ride mower to mow our yard? I still didn't admit I wanted to buy a $3,000 ride mower. Because <laughs> I feel like I can still fix the one I got. I even got two push mowers. One that Pat gave me just in case the one breaks. <laughs> Some would call that a poverty mentality. I'll say that's wisdom. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, take a look at these couple pictures. Anybody been do it yourself or anybody ever? <laughs> take a look. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's that looks like one of my apartments in when I was in Bible school. <laughs> oh. Listen, come back with me. Okay, do it yourselfers. I just located most of us. Uh, my my big greatest faith achievement is to come to that place, and I'm getting close to where I can just pay for anybody to do it from now on. I don't have to pay for anything anymore. Just, just, it's cheaper to just pay for it. Uh, all the agony and the heartache and the time, all those things. Here's what we use as do-it-yourselfers, Christians, Christianese, to make us feel better, to make us approve, to make us think that God loves us more, to become righteous and to define what righteousness is. We attend church. Thank God. I'm glad you're here. Tell somebody I'm glad you came to church today. But you're not more righteous because you're sitting in that seat out there. Some of you are not righteous for sure because you got mad that somebody was in your seat today. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm saying that jokingly. I, I'm grateful that you're being patient with this window of time we're in. It comes to our table every single week as a staff. We know it's inconvenient in some ways of, of numbers and places and being able to sit. But I, you, stay with me. We, we're looking for a fruit and we're starting to see it in expectation and altar calls and people getting set free. We want, God just wants us to have an experience more than just coming to church because maybe some of this. Pray every day. Sometimes we think we're more righteous because I pray every day. You should pray every day because you need to know what his heart is. But don't let it determine whether you're righteous or not. If you miss four days, uh, I feel bad for you. But it doesn't make you any right or not right with God. He's not up there saying, hey, you missed it today. You should have prayed. Now, he's probably saying, you, if you had prayed, you wouldn't be in the mess you're in, so maybe next time, come back to me. <clears throat> so, uh, how about this? We feel sometimes people buy, try to buy righteousness by giving an offering. They feel good. There's a need that came up. Thank God all, we, we took care of everything for the missions trip. Absolutely, 100%. Wonderful, but it didn't make you more righteous. Sometimes we feel like that if I, I give tithes, I don't believe you can pay tithes. You can't pay what doesn't belong to you. But when you give tithes, um, you know, and, and don't argue with me whether you should tithe or not. Just come on. Just follow your heart. Be a giver and watch what God will do. But don't do it because it makes you feel better and you feel more righteous. I'd rather you not put anything in the church if that's what it does because that's not what's important. What's important is your heart to God. All right. Uh, how about this? Sometimes we feel like we're more righteous because I help those in need. I, trust me, guys. Christmas time, holidays, you'd be surprised how people come out of the woodwork to help those in need. Good. Awesome. There's a lot of need out there. But it doesn't make you more righteous. And it doesn't give you like a star on a starboard to God. <laughs> Serve your community. You are the best church on the outer banks. I'm saying that not pridefully, humbly, when it comes to serving community with events. When there's big events, who do they call? Us. Because for some reason, there's like 40 or 50 or 60 of you that will jump right in and go for it and make something happen. That's wonderful. That's a great testimony to the community. But it's not making you more righteous nor a church more righteous because we serve. <laughs> How about this one? I obeyed the Ten Commandments. doesn't make you more righteous. You're not even supposed to obey the Ten Commandments. In the New Covenant, we obey two laws, and you'll fulfill the Ten. The two laws are, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, put Him first, and then the, script, the other scripture says that, and these things will be added unto you. But in those two laws, do this, put God first, and then love others as you do. I love this. Not love others as someone else did. Love others as you do yourself. The issue might be you don't love yourself. Because you don't know righteousness. Now listen, I wrote this down just to help us with there. Now good works are important. They may be a measure of our salvation, but they're not the means of our salvation. Romans 3.24. We're about halfway, okay? Romans 3.24, New Living Translation. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins, what we just talked about. <clears throat> free is really tough for us 
Why? Because we live in a world that everything costs. Am I right? Just about, there's not a whole lot out there that's free. And most of what we pay for, somebody's expecting something back from you in return down the road. Okay? It's kind of like the serve with unconditional. It's kind of, kind of half and half now. And most people have a motive if they do something for you. They, they're going to need you about six months down the road. Remember when? Come on. Listen, move away from that. Free is something we struggle with. Car- Car- Carlos and Sarah... Sarah told me of an experience that they had one time. They had this headboard. It was a custom headboard. And uh, really nice and beautiful in its, in its make. And they got to where they didn't need it anymore, so they set it out in front of their house for people to come get free. Just pick it up and go. And they said, they said for a time went by, went by, and went by. Nobody came and picked it up. And they said, well, let's just try some. They went and put a $10 sign out there. Somebody came knocking on their door and bought it. But that's why, because we don't understand what free is. There's a catch to it. We feel like there's a catch to everything, like I just mentioned to you. The idea that we have to pay or measure up or earn something for our righteousness is a lie, and it's how the enemy keeps us in bondage. Jump back to Romans chapter 3, verse 22. We are made right, righteous with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Who believes? No matter who you are. It's that simple. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. You're familiar, many of you might be familiar with this. 17 and 18. I think I use the new living. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. It doesn't mean you don't get challenged with the old life. But the spirit man of who you are, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. All right? Let's talk about holiness real quick. Okay? Misconstrued, misunderstood. Let's just talk about holiness. I'm not going to take you into a million scriptures. I just want you to see something. Holiness. It's obvious that holiness in our world has been compromised. All right? If you know what holiness means. It's obvious that holiness is even compromised in the church. I mean, it's, it's there. It's the, if you think what you know what holiness means, but let's look at that through the eyes of God and through the eyes of what true holiness is. Here's what the definition of holiness is. You ready for this? To be cut off or separate from everything else. It means to be in a class of your own, distinct from anything that has ever existed or will ever exist, to be eti- entirely morally Pure all the time and every way possible. Can I tell you something? You're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to be in the natural, in your personhood of human being, ever be able to be always holy. You can't. You're, you've got, you've, you may have a desire from the new one in you to be that and strive towards it. But if you also let that become the determining factor of whether you're righteous or not, because I'm not holy, I missed out on holiness, or I'm so holier than thou, you're missing the point. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, ESV. There's <laughs> Everybody say, I love the word. Thank you for indulging me. I do. I don't know if you do. But I look for answers. I think a lot. It gets me in trouble a lot. But, but I want to know. Look, I'm in conversations with enough people that they can, they can question you on the question. And they can answer you on the answer all the time. And we're leading to Easter And the easiest, most simple question to answer is the one of righteousness, but we struggle with it because we don't understand it ourselves. Because our measurement is against something that will fail, that will make mistakes, that will be driven. It's not a once save, always gospel. It's not a, uh, there's only, the Bible says there's only really one thing that will separate you from God wholeheartedly. And, and I, I've never met but maybe one person. And even then I'm not mature enough to even judge their heart. And that is someone that totally looks at God and says, I don't believe in Jesus. I deny him as Lord of my life and I'll never go back again. I still think the mercy of God will chase that person down and give them an opportunity till their last breath on the bed. Now if they don't, it's not too good for them. 
But we've got to be careful if we measure. Second, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, ESV. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. It's the essence of who he is. I wrote this down. Maybe you'll like this phrase. Since we can't escape ourselves, we all need a Savior who can do what we can't. That is, rescue us from us, which is Jehovah's Sitkanu. In a world that seems out of control, that seems evil, where wrong seems to be rewarded, where we can, can be tempted by its pull because of the old nature within us, and we can fail because of that pull, we have to remind ourselves that Jehovah, Jesus, it's His holiness, His set-apartness. Listen, the definition of holiness. His holiness, His distinctness, His sinlessness that has made me able to escape what the world offers and its opportunities. Only Him and only through Him. But even then, you'll still have an opportunity to fail. I promise you, you will. If you're like me. <clears throat> I'm still righteous because of his grace. I'm accepted and not rejected by him because of his grace. And here should be the result. Anytime you face up against you and you're not liking you and you're measuring your standard to determine righteousness, I run to him, not away from him. Hebrews 4 verse 16, Amplified Version. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor. With confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need an appropriate blessing coming just at the right time. Acts of holiness does not determine my righteousness. My righteousness causes me to desire holiness. Him. The one who can set me free from me. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. What he did, not what we did. It goes on to say, because of our faith, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Come on, somebody. One more truth I want to share with you, and then I'm going to actually let you go. Kind of step away from the subject of sin and, and, and you know, tell somebody. You just ain't as good as you think you are. Come on, tell somebody. You need the righteousness of God. You need His grace. And I can't sit here and tell you all the ins and outs of how to accept it and receive it. You receive it by faith. You're putting faith in something you can't see. I understand that. But, but he'll reveal himself to you through Jehovah Sitkanu. I promise you through the righteousness. But it's a renewal of the mind to see yourself how he sees you holy. And you don't see yourself holy. It's a renewal. And trust me, it is. But the fourth thing I wanted to share with you is that in this place of Jehovah Sitkanu, in this place of righteousness, something really powerful happens. You start to get an access, you get access to everything from heaven. And you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to have it. You get access to all the Jehovah's here on this earth. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Jireh, and Hunt, all the other names. Uh, Elohim of Elohim, strong creating God. You get access to all of that through righteousness. When I went to, I went to Russia three times <clears throat> to minister for John Maxwell. I was in ministry, it was cool. And uh, uh, the friend of mine that took me was Steve Miller. Some of you may remember he's come here, spoke to our businessmen and the men's fellowship. And, and it's not a, this is bothering me. Can I get it out of my way? It's that discipline thing. Um, most of you that would know him, it's not a secret. He's, he owns a Fortune 500 company. So dollars to him and dollars to me are very different in their <laughs> expectation. But when I went, he paid for me. He paid for my way to go. And um, he actually paid for us to fly business class. It was so cool. And I, can I share the vain side of me? <laughs> I wanted to look the part, man. So I wore my best business kind of look, you know, kind of, that I could have. I had this really cool watch that someone had given me, a really, really expensive watch. If I told you the value, you'd trip out. And, and I've already given it away, so it's not even, I don't even have it anymore. Um, this is not it. And uh, uh, so I made sure I wore that. And I made sure I, you could see it above my collar, you know. <laughs> you know. 
I didn't even have this ring. This ring's my father-in-law's because I broke my other one. had three diamonds in it. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to look the part, you know. It was free. It didn't cost a dime. The ticket was about five, $6,000. I did find out later. Cause I wanted to know, man, what was I flying in? <laughs> it was great. I'm just telling you, it was great. The, the chairs that you're sitting in were, were amazing. They came and they brought cloths to you to wipe your hands. I didn't even have to wipe my own hands. All I had to do was do this and they wipe your hands. Part of me was uncomfortable with it. Part of me was like, this is awesome. And uh, so they brought me food all the time. They were checking on me all the time. You could have whatever you want. They gave me little footies for my feet. <laughs> that was great. And uh, I got to be honest with you. I, there's the, the, the compassion side of me was there as well. So I look back. You could see when they moved the curtain, I look back to that coach. And I'm like, man. But I ain't feel bad enough to go back there. <laughs> It was, everything about it was free. It didn't cost me a dime. I got to skip through the line and no luggage check and all that. They even took my luggage, took my coat. I told you I dressed business. I had a business coat and all. Come find out. My friend Steve Miller looked like a slob <laughs> on that trip. So anyway, that happened like two or three times. Every time we went, he did that. It was cool. It was free. It didn't cost me a dime. One side of me struggled with it. One side of me was enjoying it. Then I flew to California just before COVID and went to see some family out there. And, and again, somebody had paid for me uh, uh, and Pastor Tiffany to fly <clears throat> first class. And uh, it was great. It was free. I looked up the price. On, I'm curious. I looked up the price of that ticket as well. And I said, well, this might be limited in how many times I do this. But it didn't cost a dime. Got through the checkout line. Sat in the comfortable seat. Looked forward to it when I came home. Was rested everything no pressure and I get it most of us will never probably reach that spot it's a shame that we treat God the same way we forget how much free access that I have that's already been paid for because I'm in right standing with God and we, we for some reason we have the struggle to enjoy the benefits of serving God do you know the Bible says in Jehovah Jireh which we'll learn next week that he knows the needs that you have need of before you even ask. Two requirements. Seek him first. Love each other as you love yourself. And you open the door to the blessings of God. Again, I told you I don't have time to teach you about this being set free from the law. The Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, and Ten Commandments, and ah, all that bondage. 7, 8, 9 of Romans. Go read it. It'll bless the mess out of you, man. Paul said, the things that I do are the things I wish I would never do. In Romans, the, Romans is like the masterpiece of books written in the scriptures. That's probably why it set me free so much when I was in Bible school. Because it just read me, it read me, it read me, it read me. I encourage you to go in it. But please, allow yourself to accept. You can stand up with me. Allow yourself to accept. What he already accepted for you, which was the penalty for your sin, so that you can live righteousness. Whenever you cross the measurement, the standard of line, don't let the enemy think you can never come back. Jesus was the measurement. He was the line. He was Jehovah Sikkanu, the Lord our righteousness. Every head open, uh, open, every head open, <laughs> every eye open, everybody looking around. If you struggled with this, acceptance by God, that He loves you unconditionally, whether you're this or that, I want to see your hand. Mine are up. Then we need to make an adjustment because He's already accepted you not on what you're doing on what he already did on the cross. He paid. There was a penalty for sin. Its ultimate penalty is death. You're, this, this world that we live is, is temporal. It's not eternity here on this earth. It's temporal. You're dying and decaying because of the curse and the fall of man. Absolutely. These bodies get older. They do. They get older. They have a promise of living a certain amount of time, a long life. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have family deals. But I can tell you one thing. If I can tell you more, a greater truth to this. When you begin to understand your righteousness. And you begin to understand grace. 
and you begin to understand how much Jesus has done for you, I tell you what will rise up is your authority of a believer. You'll see the enemy for who he is. And you'll look at him and say, ah, uh-uh, not on my, can't touch this. No, 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 no. All the, I almost said it again. I almost said the same word last week. All the stuff. It's that new nature. It's that line I'm having to be careful not to cross. All the stuff. When you see it, don't lose sight of your righteousness and the position that it gives you as a believer. The Bible says because of that, you are seated with him far above all principality and power, might and dominion. And sometimes our war is really, it's really not against flesh and blood. It's spiritual more than anything else. I'll say this and then I'll let us go. The truth will be your standard. Hold to the truth because the truth will be what will bring people back. When people come back, they're going to be looking for the truth. Don't compromise the truth. Let's pray. Won't you say this with me? Simple, short prayer. As of right now, in Jesus' name, I do confess Jesus as my Lord and therefore I know as of this moment I am Jehovah Sitkanu the Lord my righteousness has made me righteous in the sight of God here's what that means look at me you're right standing he loves you with everything within him I was going to have her dismiss you but guess what I'm going to do I'm going to let you go I want you to think about it. I want you to go read Romans. Is that okay, Meg? I want you to think about it. Please, please think about how much He loves you and how righteous He's made you so that you can win victorious out there. I love you. Take one of these on your way out. We'll see you. See you next week. Have a great week.